Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. I'm excited to be up here with you sharing the word today. Man, what an exciting day at Faith. I mean, come on, two new campuses launching. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So Pastor Larry, as Laurel alluded to, is over at Walter Burrow today. He'll be back here in the pulpit next week. And um, I'm always just thrilled to be able to fill in for him. I remember getting here in 2015, September 2015, we started, uh, Jennifer and I, here. And um, we were just launching Goose Creek. And that was our fourth, going into our fifth campus. And now here we are at eight and beyond. Man, God's doing some really cool stuff here. And you're at a perfect time and season to be a part of faith and the family here. So we're thrilled to have you with us again. If you're watching us live stream, we, hey, I'm going to wait. I'm going to do this. I don't know if anybody ever does that. If you're watching live stream today, we're thrilled to have you as well. Watching us online. Some of you guys may not know, but we have people watching us internationally uh, during our live stream. So uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to meet you in person and you come check us out at one of our campuses down the road. I'm going to ask you guys to turn to John 14, 6 this morning. John 14, 6, and as you're turning there, um, you ever have one of those moments when you just open the door and you go out and it's, ah! You ever had one of those? I had one of those this morning. My wife didn't realize this. I saved my family this morning from this giant spider (laughs) that was looking at me at the front door. And I'm like, ah, raid, you know? And then it, (laughs) sound, and yeah, that that joker was huge. So you're welcome, guys. I love you very much. (laughs) So no, I want you though to get to block Florence out of your mind right now. Just don't worry about Florence. Let's just worry about Jesus. Let's just worry about where we're at right now. Who cares about that? God's gonna take care of it anyway. Some of you are like, what's Florence? Don't go and start Googling Florence right now, okay? Nah, we're gonna be fine. Um, as you're turning there this morning, we're starting a new series. And uh, I love this. The title is called God Didn't Say That. God Didn't Say That. And the reality truly is there's a lot of misconceptions about Jesus, um, a lot of just misconceptions and skewed views of, of, of the Christian faith and, and church in general. And you ever had one of those moments in life when someone comes up to you and says, hey, I have a word from the Lord. And sometimes it's very encouraging. God uses people at times to, to speak a word of life and encouragement and comfort. And sometimes even something that will draw us to a place of conviction and saying, oh. But there's times when people will say some things and you walk away from there like, Jesus wasn't in that. I mean, if you've been in church long enough, you know that that's kind of been the case. You're like, thank you. Okay, Lord, you're gonna really have to say something right now because I'm not feeling this one. So, but it's the truth. And what I'm getting at this morning is that we have to get these things right. We have to know the truth and live the truth of what God is really saying to us. And so today we kick off this new series and I just wanna get to the heart of the matter with you all. What does God say about that? What does God say about these things, these misconceptions? And so through the next several weeks, it's gonna be really cool and really fun to watch some of these things as we bring this out to you. Um, But the thing is, is that what you believe about God and what you believe about issues is important. You know, it's not a whatever subject, that what you believe matters. And because this is the thought that, you know, there's a prevailing thought in our culture right now that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're a good person. And many believe this thought, but Jesus had something to say about this several thousand years ago, and he has something to say about it even now. So I'm gonna ask you guys to stand to your feet, stretch your legs a little bit, and we're gonna get into uh, 
a, a, just a, a, a short statement right here, a verse in John 14, 6. And Jesus had had the Passover meal with the disciples, and he's kind of laying out of what is coming up. And they don't like what they're hearing, that he is going to have to give up his life because they've enjoyed this time with him and they're not ready for those things. And he starts laying stuff out and he said something that is really one of the most controversial statements in our culture today that Jesus spoke when he said this in verse six. Jesus answered them, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, we thank you for bringing us in here today safely, and we pray that you will continue to move throughout this service. God, thank you for the worship so far. Thank you for what you're doing at our new campuses today. We pray encouragement, anointing, a fresh touch of the Lord in their lives today as well. And God, we'd ask you to just move here at Somerville as well. And we look forward to what you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Poke your neighbor and say, we're going deep today. We're going deep today. So the title of my message today is what I believe matters. What I believe matters. Many, like I said today, say it doesn't matter what you believe. And there seems to be more in our society and our culture than ever before. Um, I saw this mindset when Jennifer and I were college campus pastors back when we started in 2003. Cannot believe it's been 15 years ago. We, were, we served for about six and a half years as Chi Alpha campus pastors at Rafford University up in Virginia. And we had a great time there. It was a great ministry. But I remember stepping on that campus and I did not feel very equipped. I mean, I had been a Christian for a while, you know, but the thing is, is that, man, I started getting these conversations with students and people and challenged. And so I've really started digging into the word, digging into the Lord's presence and just getting into reading some material, uh, some apologetic type stuff. And so I'm gonna share a little bit of that with you today as we unfold this message. But what I noticed is that there was a shift in the mindset of people. There's this modernity, this modernism type mindset, a lot of our parents and grandparents generation believed in everything is concrete, there's systems, there's structure, and everything is black and white. But then post-modernity came in, this post-modernism of thought that it's, everything's fluid, everything's just kind of the organic, that's the big word today, organic, everything's organic. This fluidness to life, fluidness to a lot of things where it's even crept into gender, where gender's fluid now. It's like you can be whatever you want to be. And so the, this, this meaning of black and white had been, or good and evil had been replaced to uh, everything's kind of relative. There's, there is no absolute truth. Everything's just kind of gray, just kind of gray. And this new thought started to arise when we saw this and we see it before us even today. A lot of people will say that what you see on a college campus, eight to 10 years um, will become modern mainstream in our society and about that period of time. Because those students graduate and they go into culture and they, I mean, our young generation, if you don't realize it, teenagers and young people, they shape the culture around us in big ways. Maybe you don't wanna say that, but that is so true. I mean, look at the marketing, look at the advertising, look at everything out there, it's all geared toward the young individual. And so that's the thing. So we don't wanna, here, here's a, this where we find ourselves today. You have your truth and I have mine. That's kind of where they, would say, and that's kind of where we are right now in our culture. You have your truth and I have mine. And as long as we can accept that about each other, the world's good, we're good. Don't mess with my truth and I won't mess with yours. Maybe you had that conversation before with someone, but if you don't agree with what I'm saying, then you're hateful and you're offensive or the truth doesn't match up with mine, then we have a problem. We have a problem. 
And it's why there is no longer an ability to disagree. We live in a culture today in a world of offense. And it's, it's insane. What's really shallow, honestly, is that we won't even discuss things face-to-face like we used to do in old school. I mean, that's old school, but it should be the new school where you had a disagreement with a brother or sister in Christ or just a disagreement with anyone in general. You could work those things out between the two of you. But a lot of times now, we will hide behind an agenda or we will get on social media and we'll troll people about it and be like, yeah, I don't like anything you'd have to say. And you will blast our thoughts out on there because it's easier to do that instead of going to the individual Ouch, hello. But I, don't, I want you to know, I'm not just saying, let's just throw those people outside of the church into this category. This has infiltrated our church as well. One of the greatest downfalls I feel like we have in the modern church today is that we've replaced what convicts me with what offends me. That's where we land. Well, I don't like what you think about this. And it's like, you know what? You need to check yourself before you wreck yourself and make a mess of yourself. I'm busting out old 90s rap on you right here, but that's just the truth, Okay. <laughs> But here's the thing, what is the root of all this? What is, what, why is someone else's differing thoughts so offensive? We gotta look past just the symptoms and go deep beneath the surface. It's that classic iceberg syndrome. A lot of times we just see the things on the outside, but there's something deep within that makes these things happen. Well beyond a disagreement or offense to the root cause of this and why these offenses rise up in us. I believe the root of this is because of our experiences. We have learned to cope through defining our own truth in regards to life and some of the unknowns in life. And the ability to cope is caught up in a way of thinking that justifies or explains our story or our viewpoint. And a lot of this really, this belief comes out of the way we handle things in life like the hardships in life, death and loss and misery and grief. And we all go through those things and we do not enjoy them, but that's just a part of life. And we hear statements to justify or build truths around those experiences. And I'm gonna say something to you this morning, and I mean this with all love in my heart. You're gonna die. <laughs> you are going to die. Every single one of us in this room are going to die. There is nothing we can do. We can go all organic. We can work out as much as we want, take all the antioxidants and the patches and all this stuff and look as beautiful as we can in the creams and the, the rubbing down the oils. And hey, and I'll, I'm all about some of that stuff, not the rubbing down the oils, but I'm, you know, I wanna stay healthy and you, you can do something to kind of help the quality of your life, but you cannot change the days that are numbered. And all of us have a number to the end of our time. We just don't know what that is. But... And some of you have higher numbers than others, but that's just, you know, it is what it is. So where do you put your hope? Where do you put your hope? A good example of this is, um, what about a loved one? Let's say grandma dies and then someone says, where'd grandma go? Where'd, where'd she go? And everyone wants to say, well, grandma went to heaven. And it becomes offensive, listen to me, track with me here. It becomes offensive to think anything otherwise. So we justify to give comfort and make heaven a place that everyone goes to because they're a good person. What if grandma was a bad person? Then you don't want to go there. And we don't want to give a name to those things. And because of our experiences, we've created so many truths that many don't know the truth. And most don't think it matters. And some people, they just want to stay in the here and now. They don't want to go there in their heart and minds. It, it's, it's too much for them to handle. And so the mantra is, is let's just be happy in the here and now. But you know that happiness is for a moment. Happiness is for a moment. 
But I believe it is, a, it is hard to leave it alone because all truths cannot be truth. And we have to handle these things and walk through this and find our own answers to these things. That there is and there must be an absolute truth. And if there is an absolute truth, it can't be many truths. And if you don't believe this, then we're faced with the hard reality of what we just read in John 14, 6. When Jesus says these things in, a verse, in verse 14, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. I'm not a way, I'm not a truth, I'm not the life. I am it. He says, no one can come to God without going through me first. And his claim is absolute. There's no wiggle room. In fact, Jesus made many claims that do not allow for open theism or everyone defining their truth. So if you believe Jesus, here's some of the claims this morning that he's saying. He claimed to be God. He claimed to forgive sins. He claimed to give eternal life. He claimed to raise from the dead. He claimed to return for those who believe in him. And he claimed to exist before we ever took a breath of air on great planet earth and our ancestors and Adam and Eve. He was way before all of that. So you can imagine the moment when he says that and it throws some people back. Whoa. There's, there are absolute truth claims. And in fact, um, I love C.S. Lewis. Most of you guys probably know him from the Chronicles of Narnia, but if you've ever read of any of his uh, material outside of that, man, it's so, so good. And one of the books I read back in 03 was Mere Christianity. And if you've never read that, I highly recommend it. If you've got someone that is like questioning the faith, give them a copy of that book. I'm telling you, it wrecked me. I mean, it really did. I was, I was walking with the Lord, but I'm like, it really brought some depth and richness. And one of the things he says there, Jesus was either the son of God or he was a madman. And others, uh, Josh McDowell and other authors through time have summed up the words of Lewis in this way. Jesus was either a liar, he was a lunatic, or he was Lord. But based on his claims, you cannot just say he's a good moral teacher. And that's what we hear a lot. Oh, Jesus, well, he was a cool guy. If he was real and people believe he was real, then they're like, yeah, he's a good guy. He's, he's a pretty good guy, he had good morals and all that. No, you can't put him in that same category when you really dig in and look at these things. And so not only can we gain this need for an absolute truth from Jesus, but you can put the Bible aside for a moment and look at the three laws of logic. And I'm gonna give you just a little taste of apologetics this morning, but there's fundamental laws or true principles governing reality and thought. There's the law of identity, the law of non-contradiction, and the law of the excluded middle. And one of these is the law of non-contradiction. It essentially states that two or more truths cannot exist together. It's either A or B, it cannot be A and B. A statement cannot be true and false. False, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we wanna do it in school sometimes. I'm just gonna circle both of them, T and F. Sounds good, got a 50-50 shot either way. So when you choose our way to begin, when you say all these things work out in regards to faith and religion, there is some truth in all of it or there's no truth in all of it. That's, that's kind of the rationale where we're at. Here's the thing, all these statements of all these religions being right, it doesn't work. There's a little bit here, there's a little bit there that'll work, they all get to the same destination. No, they don't. I wanna give you this, the five big ones for a moment. New Age, New Age believes in divinity, is an impersonal life force, and that afterlife is a reincarnation according to karma. Karma is a big word right now. And it, it really comes down to scriptural, you reap what you sow. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Islam believes in one impersonal deity and God and afterlife is salvation according to one's works. You do enough things and hopefully you'll get in. Hinduism believes in many deities and an afterlife of reincarnation. 
until the time of enlightenment. Buddhism, no deity or God in reincarnation. And Christianity believes in one personal deity, God in the form of three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. Man, amen for that one, grace. So with, being, with seeing the big religious viewpoints, not all of these can lead to the same destination. For people to say that, they compromise the laws of logic there. They cannot all exist being different, but truth. Only one can be right and truth. So we're, what is it? So just stay with me this morning. I'm, I'm really trying to take the top off this morning. Okay, I know we're going deep here, but I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. Some of you, and I mean this with all love and respect, some of us have been in church our whole life and have never really questioned anything. Question it. Because at the end of the day, you're gonna come right back to him anyway in the cross. Question it. And you're like, oh my gosh, why would you ever question? God wants us to use our mind and it connects to our heart and our soul. And when you really dig into it, you realize there is no other way. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And I think sometimes we're hesitant to share the gospel with people because we're like, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, let's just study to show ourselves approved. Let's educate ourselves. Let's get deep in him. Let's go after this, you know? Read the word, open up some commentaries. And I'm, you're, I mean, you, I know you think that maybe it's for the pastor, but it's for all of us, really. It really is, it's for all of us. But we should know what we believe and why we believe it. And I'm trying to stir the pot a little bit because I really, here's the thing, I'm not trying to get anyone angry here that's outside of the faith today in Christ. Um, I'm not bashing any other viewpoint, but I just wanna submit to you the claims of Jesus and you take it with an open heart and mind and receive it of where we're going. So I wanna take you to John 10 this morning. And this is where we're gonna park the rest of our time together today. I wanna share a parable with you that will help us further understand who the real Jesus is. John 10, starting in verse one, says, truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the shepherd by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Verse six. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'm gonna pause there for a moment. The world that we live in today, most people look at him and think Jesus is here to take from us. We gotta get our life all fixed up. He wants to take everything from us. Jesus wants to give you life and life to the full abundance. That is the Jesus we're talking about. And that should do this in this place because who the son is set free is free indeed. Freedom for humanity comes at the cross of Jesus Christ. And that is what he's saying right here. The thief wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And there is a real devil that wants to take you out. He wants to have your life in misery through alcoholism, drug abuse, divorce, a wreck. He wants to destroy it all. And Jesus is saying, I have the answer right here. 
I am the good shepherd. Look what it says. And I am the good shepherd, it says in verse 11. The shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Man, this is good stuff, guys. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am, there it is again, the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for my sheep. Mm. I wanna share with you three things this morning that will give us an understanding through this parable that sets Jesus apart. The first thing, if you're taking notes, I think we have it on the back there of your uh, bulletin. Notice the personal interest Jesus has in you. The personal interest that Jesus has in you. Um, this passage of scripture, I know it's a lot there, but I wanna give you just a visual to kind of give us a visual aid to know what that is about and that relationship between the shepherd and the good, the sheep and the good shepherd. So I want you guys to check this video out real quick. <laughs> one more time. Oh, one is... Jesus would always take heavenly concepts and give us a real tangible understanding and use real life for examples. And that right there, it just shows that personal connection that the sheep have with the shepherd. They know that distinct call. Those other ones, they were like, I'm just checking out, I'm eating my grass. But the shepherd, they perk up and they're like, hey. And they may, obviously they're probably like, food, you know. But they knew that the shepherd was gonna take care of them. They know that the shepherd has personal interest and they trust him. They trust him and that's why they came to him. They don't listen to any other voice and respond. Pause. They don't listen to any other voice and respond, only the voice of the shepherd. The sheep know the specific voice of the shepherd and this was built through time and time again, those small nuances of the shepherd's voice that it struck them. They knew, it, they perked up at that moment when they knew the voice of the shepherd calling out. And the same is true for Jesus. Jesus has personal investment in you. And he cares about you, that he desires that you know his voice and know it well. There's little nuances of the heart because he knows it. And the Bible says in uh, Luke, it says even the hairs of your head are numbered. 
Guys, help us if we're at that place where the numbers of hair on our head is less than it used to be, but that's all right. But fear not, you are valuable. You are valuable. Jesus desires to be involved in your life. He wants to be in a relationship with you. That's what sets Jesus apart. He wants a relationship, that personal deity, that God wants connection. He wants relationship with the one that he's made. This is a key distinction from every other religion. Most religions have a deity or many deities that are just far off, have no connection whatsoever. And they just step back. They don't care. That's the ones that some worship. And in fact, in some beliefs, when you die, what is done is based on the mood of the God. So it's a roll of the dice. If he's in a good mood that day, then hey, great things are coming. If he's in a bad mood, sorry, you're done. But not with Jesus. In fact, he says it won't even be your works, but the finished work of God through Jesus Christ on the cross that brings us into heaven. He desires for us to be in heaven, but he desires to be with us here and now. Today, he wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear your heart. He wants to know the highs and the lows that you go through, the anxiety and the stress and the turmoil, the excitement and joy and the good times. A lot of times, even us in the faith, we only go to him during the bad times. And God's wanting us even in the good times to have life with us. You have a God that wants you to know him and know him well. And one of the disciplines I've been working on probably for the past six months in my life is just to shut up. And it's hard. <laughs> it really is. But just a lot of times what we do in our devotional time, if we spend time with the Lord, hopefully you're doing that daily, is that we just come in and we'll read a passage of scripture and then we have like a, a task list in our head. God, I need you to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And we just start vocalizing those things and then we just, all right, it's been great, God, see you and you're out. And what I've been noticing sometimes, God's just saying, why don't you just try to realign your heart with me and shut up and I'll take care of all that stuff because I got some things I wanna share with you today. And so just being still and knowing that he is God and he's gonna take care of us and take care and he wants to, us to listen. The second thing to notice about Jesus, notice his leadership by example. Notice his leadership by example. Every morning shepherds would get up and the sheep would be in the pen and once ahead, he would call for the sheep to follow him to a place of pasture so that they could eat and drink. And he led them. And Jesus reveals this about himself, that he was always willing to lead out and go before us. And that he would never place us in, in a, a dangerous place unless he was willing to go there first and experience it first before we get to that place. He leads rather than just throwing us out into the world and hoping we'd learn how to discover it himself. He's like, no, I, I will show you. How? I will lead the way. I will give you a blueprint, my instruction manual, you know, the word of God. And I'm here, if you will listen to me and through the Holy Spirit, I will be here with you. And in fact, Jesus even became flesh so that he could lead us through example. And the Bible says Jesus, who is God and rightfully could have just stayed in heaven. He chose to, to become flesh and live here on this planet and experience what we experience. Hebrews 4 says this, it says, for we do not have a high priest way off who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one in every respect has been tempted as we are, but yet with no sin. Jesus leads the way and he shows us how to suffer. He's experienced what you've experienced. He's experienced fearing alone and forgotten by God on the cross. He's experienced a friend turning on him 
Some of you guys can relate to this. He's experienced hunger and need, pain, anxiety, stress, being hated, being belittled. When people would say, what good is gonna come out of Nazareth? Who's this Jesus guy? People would say that about him. Being hated and belittled, being grieved and, and, and had loss in his own life. He wept, as it says in the scripture at times, losing one of his best friends, mocking and in torture. Jesus has experienced it all. He's went through it and he did this to lead you, to lead you because he did it and he did it all without sin, which sets him apart as well. He did it all to show us his love that you're not in this alone. I have went through this myself. To show, and also to show that he's not an angry God that's gonna punish you or damn you. He did it all for you that this new covenant life, this new covenant relationship is found through Jesus. And that's what truly sets Christianity apart from all other gods and deity that come close to this claim. But there's one more final thing the Bible says about Jesus. Notice his sacrifice. In verses 11 through 13, it talks about, notice his sacrifice. One of the most important roles of the shepherd was to protect the sheep. And most fields were exposed to a lot of outside elements and wolves and lions and things like that, the weather. And at the end of the day, the shepherd would hold his rod over the gate as all the sheep would start coming in. He would number them and check them, make sure they're okay and get them back into the pen. And each one would pass through into safety and the provision and protection of the shepherd. And once all were in the pen, sometimes the shepherd would even stay close to the, the threshold of the door or sometimes he would just block the door to keep anything from the outside coming in. And that's what Jesus is doing for us. That's what Jesus does for us. And that brings up a question this morning though. Then that, if he's protecting us, then why do we still suffer at times? Now that could be a whole sermon in itself and I'm sure we will get there. But we sometimes wonder why we have to suffer through all of the pains and hardships of life and the injury. And, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that we as human beings decided to put matters in our own hands and wanna be God ourselves, and we sinned. And sin entered into the world. And so we have to live with that because of Adam and Eve. But we must realize also sometimes even now, God can still use bad things for good. Life can come out of death and suffering. And there's so many times a lot of our growth comes out of those difficult moments. Again, a lot of times we don't go to him when things are good. We only go to him when things are bad. And he will use those difficult moments refining us, transforming us to become more like him. And ultimately the victory is his and us through him anyway. But here's the thing about the sheep. The sheep found contentment. That's a big word, contentment and leave it, everything to the shepherd, they trust him. They found contentment, even realizing that the elements may not always be in their favor, the storms of life might rise up, but they were content. They were gonna trust him, the shepherd would take care of them and we can find contentment knowing Jesus has led by example, as we just stated, and suffered on the cross. Guys, Jesus laid down it all for us so that we can have the relationship with him. He laid it all down. He became the door, the way into the gate. And rather than just getting by by chance and hopefully we get it right, Jesus paved the way for us. And as he laid down his life, he's allowing us to step over into safety, into heaven and forever with him. And as we bring this to a close this morning, I just wanna throw it out to you. Where do you land with this? Where are you at? 
I believe that we got all different kind of people and all different types of walks of life going on right now. As you step into these doors, I don't believe every single one of you are serving Jesus this morning. I'm just gonna be honest. And I mean it without love, total love. I don't believe that though. I believe some of you have turned and you're just coming on Sunday thinking that that's gonna fix it. No. Sunday can be a start, but Jesus wants a relationship every single day with you. He wants a communication with you. He wants to converse with you. He wants to dialogue. He wants you to cast all your cares and troubles upon him. And I know it's hard. And I've been running this thing for over 20 years now in the faith. And it is not always easy. And I have let God down at times, but he has never let me down. I've turned my back on him, but he has never turned his back on me. And that is the beauty of grace that sets this walk apart from all others. That when we mess up, when we fall down, and I guarantee a few of us this week probably made some horrible choices. And then we waller around in that stuff and the enemy's trying to come after us and beat us down over and over and over. And it fills us with anxiety and fear and doubt and frustration and Jesus is calling out, but the noise of life and the noise of your mistakes get in the way. And he's saying, stop, come to the gate. Let me bring you back in to the pasture. I'm the good shepherd. That is him. Don't, it's so easy to listen to the voice of the enemy. It's so easy to listen to the voice of the world. And God's saying, listen to my voice, child. I am your father, your good father that loves you and cares for you and has formed and fashioned you in your mother's womb. And I've got great plans destined for you. No matter if you're 20, 40, or 70, God's still got something up his sleeves for you. And it's just coming back in and saying, here I am. And knowing he's a good shepherd. So where do you land today in this? He's not just a good moral teacher. He is so much more. And these three possibilities that we laid out today, and I brought these claims before you, he's either a liar, he's a lunatic madman, or he is the Lord. And at faith, we believe he is the Lord because of what he has done in our life. And it goes against conventional wisdom, I understand that. But two things this morning, some need to trust him. Some of you need to trust him, trust the shepherd. Try to quit, just stop doing it on your own. Just trust the shepherd, listen to him, listen to him, he wants to comfort you. He says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Come rest into my arms. And knowing that I'm there, and I've also formed a church body that's there for you as well. And salvation, some are hearing the knock today on your heart. And Jesus is knocking for salvation today to say, come experience me for the first time today. I wanna start a relationship with you. Or maybe you've ran from the Lord from years and God's knocking today and he's saying, come back child, come back into this relationship. And you know what the scary part is? I want you to understand this. The Bible is not that God judges our wickedness. It's that our goodness is like filthy rags, it says. Even our goodness is not enough in the holiness of God in the presence of who He is. It all falls short. Your works will not do it alone. It's when you submit and say, God, here I am, I'm tired. How many of you are tired this morning? I'm tired. And He's saying, lay it down, lay it down and come to me. I want you guys to stand to your feet this morning. Religion says do, but Jesus says it is 
done. It is done. And when Jesus moves, things change. Not just externally, but internally, the change happens. The man finds his true heart and his warrior spirit. The woman finds her captivated beauty, not in man, but in her creator. The orphan finds a home, darkness flees. Everyone is always welcome in to receive this gift. The outcast finds a family. That is the good news, church. And that is the good news of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.